Hello and welcome back to the State of Education presented by One Room Education. My name's Katie and today I'll be your guide as we begin the discussion on what roles the parents are supposed to play in the education of their students. Now today we're not going to be talking about homeschooling. We're going to be talking specifically about public and private enrolled students. So if you have a student who is getting ready to go to school for the first time or who is already enrolled in public or private schools here in the United States or anywhere really in the Western world, this episode will be very enlightening for you as to some of the expectations that are set up for you as a parent and your role in the education of your student as well as some of the obstacles and hurdles that parents that want to be super involved might end up encountering. So come on in and have a seat while we start the discussion on the parent's role in their student's education. I got the idea for today's episode when I was actually scrolling through Facebook the other day. And I came upon this article titled The Biological Reason Kids Need Their Parents Involved at School by Dr. Megan Meeker. Um, It was an advertisement from the Daily Wire. And I actually ended up subscribing so that I could get this uh, so I could get this article for you guys because it is such a well-written and well-rounded article about why parents are needed in the education system, not just because, you know, the teacher needs a helper in elementary school for your kid, but because of an innate biological need from your children for you to be involved in their education past elementary school, past preschool, when the majority of Americans are told that it's time to hand our kids off to someone that we may or may not know and entrust our children to them. I'm going to go ahead and start this by reading who Megan Meeker is and why I'm actually giving this article any credence for you guys. Megan Meeker, MD, has spent more than 30 years practicing pediatric and adolescent medicine and counseling teens and parents. Dr. Meeker is a fellow of the National Advisory Board of the Medical Institute and Associate Professor of Medicine at Michigan State School of Human Medicine, and is also a best-selling author. That's her bio from the Daily Wire article. Just to give you a little bit of a view of who Dr. Meeker is and why this article has any sort of credence, because I know that the Daily Wire is going to turn some people off and they're going to completely shut off the episode right there. But it's an absolutely fabulously written article and it's information that I think that parents really need to know. So let's go ahead and get right into this. I'm going to go ahead and read the article and then I'm just going to give you my professional opinions as an educator, as a trained educator and as a current private tutor about the things that Dr. Meeker is addressing in this article on the Daily Wire. I will go ahead and have this linked in the description and the notes below this episode. And I will also have it linked in the show notes and references over at one-roomeducation.com for you. Dr. Meeker writes, local government overreaches moved into family relationships and education. Parents are being kicked out of school hallways and classrooms and told that they don't have a right to see what their children are learning. Aside from the socio-political impact, there is a deeper issue at work here, child well-being. Now, I am going to say to that statement that, yes, absolutely, I have seen incidences where parents are coming in, they're trying to figure out what's going on with their student because something is going on with their kid at home and they can, the parents can only trace it back to school. And whenever a parent tries to come to school to figure out what's going on, to talk with teachers, to talk with administration, a lot of times, especially since the pandemic hit, these parents are being hit with a lot of pushback for a lot of different political reasons, as Dr. Meeker just um, just stated. So I do try to keep this podcast fairly apolitical, 
But I do have to say that education has become a political arena at this point. So we will be talking a little bit about politics and the role that it has been playing in the separation of parents and teachers and students and the conflict that's been created between them. The article by Dr. Meeker continues, Kids need parental involvement in their education for many reasons. Their neurobiological, psychological, and cognitive development depend upon it. Studies show that the adults who have the greatest impact on a child's psychological and physical health are parents. Well, duh. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we all know that. But it's nice that somebody actually laid that out. The article continues, Kids with involved parents use less drugs, get into trouble less, perform better in school, are less depressed, and the list goes on. This makes sense because child attachment forms with parents first. Caring mothers give their children security. Fathers who rock their kids and read to them actually boost their kids' IQs. We all know that kids need involved parents, but no one will publicly state this for fear of shaming teachers, coaches, etc., I think that this is a really, really good point that Dr. Meeker is making here. She's pointing out that the mother and the father in a child's life provide security and boost the neuroconnections in the brain that a child makes at an early age that can actually increase a child's baseline IQ level. So that's absolutely great. I I agree with her that this is something that's missing from the conversation about education, because whenever you're talking about education, in a general sense, at least in the United States, you're talking about a polarized issue. Either you're talking about parents who homeschool their kids, or you're talking about teachers. And the thing that gets left out of the latter conversation is that even though you send your students to public or private school, you as the parent are still expected and needed to be involved with your child's education far beyond what you would necessarily think is necessary. The article continues, strong relationships sit at the core of a child's psychological health. All kids are born for connection with loved ones And these connections start at home. Growing relationships with one's parents is critical to emotional, cognitive, and even physical health. To carve those relationships out of education stunts the child's growth. As wonderful as teachers can be, the influence they have over kids pales in comparison to the influence of parents. And I have to say, as somebody that used to teach alternative education, and I've had a foot in the special ed community for a little bit too. This is something that is said again and again and again, and it is something that is heavily focused on in teacher training and teachers continuing education is the relationship between that student and their parents or their caregivers. Because let's be honest, we might not be talking about direct mother-father figures. We might be talking about grandparents or aunts or uncles or whatever the family dynamic is. Whoever that child's main primary caregiver is, the relationship between that child and that primary caregiver influences their ability to learn. Because if a child is distracted by a bad family environment and a bad home environment, then the focus that that child is able to have in the classroom is almost non-existent on a recurring basis. This is well-known and well-documented throughout educational history. And if you talk to pretty much any teacher, they will tell you of at least one or two of their students currently in their classrooms that are having horrible family problems and that that student is usually, they usually have a plummet in their grades. That is one telltale sign of whenever a home environment is unstable for a student is whenever their grades go from 
high or average and they just take a nosedive from wherever they started at the beginning of the year. Dr. Meeker continues, research shows that neurologically, a child's brain development begins at birth through interactions with their parents. Their brains are being mapped for life. And this mapping continues through their middle school and teen years. Now, that's something that a lot of parents don't don't know because it's something that's not really taught outside of professional education classes. That the neurological mapping of a child's brain, of an adolescent's brain, doesn't stop when they start going to middle school and high school and they're legally allowed to fend for themselves to a certain extent, right? These students continue to need a parental figure in their life, whether that's their parents or whether that's a grandparent, aunt, uncle. And in the absence of these family connections, that's whenever the opening for issues like gang membership or criminal activity of other types comes into play. And a lot of times, teachers ourselves try to fill that void because we know the importance of a strong adult figure in a child's life. And unfortunately, whenever we have a classroom of 15 even plus kids, let alone 25 or 30 kids, our ability to connect with each individual student on a level that they neurologically and biologically need is so it's almost non-existent. It, it's very hard for teachers, especially in economically depressed areas, whether that's a rural backcountry Appalachian school or whether that is an inner city ghetto school. It doesn't matter. They're both economically depressed. They both have their separate issues, but they both have similar issues. But that's one of the main reasons that there is such a high rate of teacher burnout in those areas because of the lack of consistent support for the students, not just on an elementary level, but also on a middle school and high school level. Because by the time students reach middle school and high school, the parents assume that they are mature enough to tend to stuff themselves. And a lot of times, middle schoolers especially, but high school students also need a lot more support from their parents than their parents think that they do. The article continues, a child's interactions with his or her parents literally help one neuron connect with another. If some neurons are not connected over time, they fall away. As such, keeping parents from being involved in any area of their kids' lives has the potential to affect brain development. This is important to understand because brain mapping during the school years stays with a child for life. I, I don't think I really need to say anything else about that. We all understand that school-age children, that's their, form, that's their formative years, and that childhood trauma or childhood successes and support is what typically will set up a, a person, not just a student, but a person for their lifetime and how they view themselves and how they view others in the world. So we, I think everybody just kind of has that baseline understanding that that's how that works. Dr. Meeker continues, can teachers contribute to brain mapping? Yes, they can. However, their influence is not quite as instrumental as parents. This begs another question. If teachers spend more time with a child than their parents do, is the mapping that occurs in a child's brain acceptable to the parents? Do the teachers imprint beliefs, theories, and philosophies that the parents agree with? Ooh, that is... That is kind of the question, isn't it, as to whether the parents, depending on how much time they're able to spend with their, with their children throughout the day, do the parents have a say in what their students actually learn? Because this is a question that keeps coming up over and over and over again in the news cycle recently. And 
I, I think that you probably have an idea by now if you've listened to any other episodes of the State of Education as to what my personal opinion is. But let's go ahead and keep reading and see what Dr. Meeker has to say about whether parents should have a say in the beliefs, theories, and philosophies that their children are receiving from these teachers. Cognitive development refers to the maturation of the ability to think with a greater complexity as years pass. I think that that's really good that she defined cognitive development because that's something that teachers and administrators talk about all the time. Like, oh, it's cognitive, it's cognitively appropriate for a student to blah, 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 blah. Like, that's not the point. The point is that cognitive development is now defined for us, that it's the maturation of the ability to think on a greater complexity, on a on a more complex level every single year as the years pass. Parents have a profound effect on their child's cognitive development because they are the ones who will engage with their kids on a deep level. They will discuss life-changing decisions, help them resolve problems, think through consequences of different behaviors, and model to them how to respond in a healthy manner to many changes they encounter. Parents' interaction is key to cognitive maturation. Absolutely. If you are a teacher and you have a student in a classroom that just seems really immature and just has a baseline sort of bad attitude about life and is constantly causing disruptions and stuff in your classroom and you you haven't seen the parent you've never met the parent so you call them in for a parent teacher conference a lot of times like the majority of times <laughs> the parent will will display similar behaviors as their student. So the this is absolutely spot on. The cognitive development of the student does depend immensely on the facilitation of the parents. The article continues, adolescence is a critical time when the brain's coordination of regulatory systems changes. In short, an adolescent's brain is far more susceptible to influence from their environment. This includes their cognitive maturity, emotional maturity, and development of a spiritual life. Absolutely. I am a certified secondary educator, which means grades 6 through 12 is what I'm certified to teach. So it's that like perfect adolescent age. And... I absolutely love students at that age where they're all a little bit confused about what's going on in the world, in their lives, in their bodies, and just everybody's crazy, raging, going into puberty with hormones and everything. But I, I love the chaos that the kids bring and being able to see them grow and mature into young adults through that adolescent period. And... I think that Dr. Meeker brings up a good point when she says that it's not just about cognitive maturity. It's also about emotional maturity and the development of a spiritual life. Now, she doesn't say that it has to be a Christian spiritual life or a Jewish spiritual life or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Just as long as there's something greater than the individual that the students are able to see and develop and grow towards the the making the community a better place seeing their place in the world seeing their place in life seeing their environment and their place in it if they enjoy it if they don't enjoy it how they might be able to change it and make it better and that kind of stuff and the emotional maturity just kind of comes with experimentation and um, life experiences, I think. So as educators, it's our job specifically to facilitate cognitive maturity. So we're there to give the students the knowledge that they need 
to cognitively mature, to be able to think more critically when they leave us about life and the world and and academic subjects than they could when they came to us. Now, especially whenever you're talking about the adolescent period, if you're talking about emotional maturity, yes, it is an issue in middle school and high school classes. If a kid is just having like a raging hormone kind of day, or if they're just having emotions that are more complex than they are able to deal with, we as teachers, as educators have to deal with that within the classroom on top of trying to facilitate the cognitive maturity and the cognitive development of that student. We have to take time out of our class to do that. And if you have a class of 15, 20, 30 kids, the emotional development that we as educators are able to provide them is just almost non-existent, to be totally honest. And that's why a lot of high school teachers will get a, they'll they'll get a rap from the students of not caring about their emotions or what's going on in their lives. And it's not necessarily that the teachers don't care. It's that they literally cannot handle those kinds of issues on that kind of scale. So that's why the parents being able to facilitate the emotional and spiritual development and maturity of their of their children is so important. Getting back to the article, Dr. Meeker continues, as much as sociologists champion teachers and coaches as primary influences over the choices kids make regarding life-changing decisions, again, a parent's influence on a child's behavior far surpasses that of a teacher or coach. This happens because the child is connected to a parent by a need to be loved and accepted. These two needs drive teen behaviors because they arise from a deeper place in the child's life. Parental connection. Absolutely, hands down, that is 100% correct. If you look at behavioral problems, if you look at academic problems, a lot of times it is because a lack of, there's a lack of connection between the student and the parent, like I've I said a little bit ago. And Dr. Baker is absolutely right that these students are often striving for the parents or caregivers to accept what they're doing in life. And they're looking for that parental validation of what's going on in their personal lives. And that validation a lot of times from the parents is viewed as love by the students. Even if a parent does love their kids, which I'm pretty sure most parents love their kids to one degree or another, but most parents love their kids. And a lot of times because of the lack of hands-on sort of involvement that happens in middle school and high school, teenagers have a really hard time separating criticism and praise that their parents give them for situations that are going on with whether their parents love them or not. And this is a kind of tightrope that these, that parents have to walk on a regular basis with their students. And I don't know if you remember when you were a teenager, but I definitely had those sorts of thoughts. Like I always knew I was loved, but would things be better if I acted this way or if I got this grade or whatever? It's just, it's a little bit irrational, but the adolescent mind itself is irrational because of a lack of cognitive and emotional maturity. Dr. Meeker continues, having parents in schools is impactful not just for their own kids, but for other children as well. Case in point, dad's on duty at Southwoods High School in Shreveport, Louisiana. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I love these guys. I saw the dad's on duty in a news article, I think two, maybe three years ago now. And absolutely, I, perfect, 
perfect example of parental involvement and how a a small group of parents being able to step up can influence an entire student population. So let's go ahead and read about these dads on duty in Shreveport, Louisiana. After the arrest of 23 students, oh my goodness, in a few short days, fathers involved in their children's lives decided to take action. Fighting in the school had gotten out of control. One student was labeled a terrorist and the stress of COVID mandates made the violence worse. Teachers and parents didn't know what to do, but they knew that they had to find a solution before the school became unsafe for all students. They formed a simple coalition of fathers to go into the school and simply be present. That is something that parents just kind of don't understand because being a parent doesn't come with a handbook. Like, it it doesn't. But... As educators, as a school system, we should present parents with ways that they can be involved and and stress that literally all a parent has to do to be involved with their child's education is sit there and be present. Just be there. Don't be there on a phone. Don't be there watching TV. Sit there and be present with no distractions with your student. And again, like this is at a high school, absolutely, it doesn't matter what grade level your student is at. They need you as a parent to be involved with them in their education and their lives because that's what this situation is from these dads on duty in Shreveport, Louisiana. It's not necessarily that the students need these dads to be there for their academics because they have the teachers and the administration for that. But what they need these dads there for is emotional support and social support within the halls and within the culture of the student population. Getting back to the article. In September 2021, the fathers first walked the halls and campus. They interacted with the students in a respectful, positive manner. Almost immediately, the entire school became a calmer, safer place. Fighting fell dramatically, and the behavior of students became noticeably different. Before these fathers entered the school, teachers were present. The principal was on campus, and yet violence persisted. Why? We know that teachers have a significant effect on students' behaviors. So why was the violence increasing so rapidly? Was it the teacher's fault? No. That is such a great point. I love the way that Dr. Maker writes this article. That's why I wanted to share it with you because she so well walks that line of supporting teachers, not villainizing the teachers, and also not villainizing the parents while giving the parents a little bit of a kick in the pants, (laughs) if that makes sense. Dr. Meeker continues, the reality of the violence pointed to the critical involvement of parents, particularly fathers in this case, in a child's education. Fathers have an authority in their child's eyes that no other person has. Children, especially boys, yearn for their father's acceptance and love. Of course, mothers have influence, but everyone with a father knows that a father's influence is different. Historically, fathers provided stability, and this has not changed in the minds of children. Mothers provide comfort, security, and love among many other things, and fathers provide physical protection. Furthermore, fathers give boys a sense of belonging and acceptance. If we look at boys who have grown up with single mothers, we often see unrest in them. They need masculine influence as they mature into manhood. Teen boys who don't have this search frantically for a social ecosystem where they can belong. One that acknowledges their identity as tough, strong, and masculine. This is often the beginning of their demise. Now, absolutely, 100% agree with this. 
one of the problems is voluntary single parenthood. Now, what do I mean by voluntary single parenthood? This means that if you if you have a kid and you're you're not in a relationship with the father anymore, you have to try to make sure that that father still has a relationship with their child, whether you guys get along or not. Because at that point, it no longer has to do with your ego or the ego of the dad. As long as it is not detrimental specifically to the child's mental, emotional, or physical well-being for them to be around that parent, then they need to have the influence of a both male and female role model. And that's part of the problem that is going on, not just in certain communities like inner cities and stuff like that, but also in rural areas like in Appalachia and whenever you're talking about um, more southern states and stuff like that. Poor rural areas have this have a similar single motherhood rate as inner cities do. And I think that that's something that's not addressed as much because whenever people from the inner city think of the more rural environments in the United States, they think of families and farms and that kind of stuff. But what they don't see is the economically depressed part of that, that very closely mirrors their own environment. And I think that that's something that's used to help polarize our country. So absent fathers are a huge, huge issue in the development, especially of young boys. And I said earlier, I mentioned that boys specifically, but, but girls also to an extent, if they don't have that parental influence, they will go out and seek it. And this is a lot of times where, where gangs come in. They have the older brother figures. They have the father, the fatherly type figures that bring these kids in and get them involved. And then they get trapped. And that is exactly what Dr. Meeker is referring to. She doesn't necessarily want to come out specifically and say it like I just did, but that's specifically what she's referring to whenever she says that this is often the beginning of their demise, is that uh, an absent father from the home, specifically 14 boys, is a huge indicator of whether that child will eventually become incarcerated or not, regardless of race or ethnicity. Dr. Meeker continues in her article from The Daily Wire. The presence of parents in their kids' schools causes them to know their kids better. It opens a door for parents to see a world in which their kids navigate. They gain greater understanding of their children's academic education as well as other social pressures their kids face and can then impact them in a positive way. While we focus on the effects parental involvement in school has on children, we cannot overlook the impact it has on parents. Their eyes open wider. They see their kids' friends and the state of negative and positive influences from other kids. Ultimately, this causes parents to grow closer to their kids and connect on a deeper level. When parents are withheld from their children's education and forbidden to enter their classrooms, the entire family suffers. Kids have less critical connection with their parents. Their cognitive, neurobiological, and psychological development suffer. Parents, too, end up with a skewed view into their child's world. This cripples parents because without knowledge of the effects of social interaction on their kids, they are unable to help their kids navigate difficult friendships and relationships with teachers. That is so absolutely true. And that is one of the worst things, in my opinion, about the whole part of the whole issue with a lot of the COVID lockdowns and the situation that was created whenever a lot of schools returned to in-person classes was that 
even if a school returned to in-person classes, a lot of times they weren't allowing anyone except for students and staff on campus or in the buildings on campus for quote-unquote public safety and public health reasons. And that was absolutely detrimental to students because on a regular basis, students are allowed to bring their parents to class. And it is the parents' right to go into the school and get a day pass to sit with their kid during classroom time and during lunch. I know a bunch of parents that used to go to the elementary schools and have lunch with their kids once a week because that's just something that you did. And after COVID hit and all of the all of the craziness that went on with that, that all but completely stopped. And it's preventing parents from being able to be involved with their children. And it's putting teachers as the primary facilitators for emotional development, as well as cognitive academic development, which isn't something that teachers are supposed to do. That That is not in the purview of a classroom educator to be the main facilitator of a child's emotional and spiritual development. It's not. And anybody that tells you different has an agenda. Point blank. Sorry. That's just how it is. And if a parent can't go into the school, if they can't ride the bus with their kids, if they can't do all these things with their kids to kind of get a firsthand look at what's actually going on in the situations, then the schools can kind of say whatever they want about whatever situation might come up. So it, it kind of goes back to that. You as a parent need to have firsthand knowledge of what's going on. And is the school district going to keep you from getting that knowledge? Well, legally they can't. Okay. And that's one of the things that you're going to have to push back on as a parent. You have rights as a parent, as much as the education system would like you to think that you don't, because the less rights and then the less knowledge that you have of your rights as a parent and your your right to the involvement in your child's education, the less information you have about that, the more autonomy the education system and the teachers and the administration can have over the information that your child receives. Dr. Meeker closes out her article by saying, I have devoted the last 32 years to speaking up for kids. I have never experienced this level of control over our children by an entity beyond the family. We need to speak up for our kids now, lest we see our relationships with them fracture. Once that happens, the health of our entire country will be in jeopardy. That's the end of this article by Dr. Megan Meeker, MD, that was published on thedailywire.com. I think that what she's saying is spot on. Um, don't know that I totally disagree with anything that she said. It is nonpartisan, it's unbiased, and any educator that I have ever known, whether they enjoy being an educator or not, will tell you pretty much this exact same thing. The next article that we're going to be discussing is by Stephen B. Sheldon, and it is from the Education Encyclopedia at stateuniversity.com. It is titled Parental Involvement in Education. This article is an absolutely fabulous resource for anybody looking to understand parental involvement and the importance of it. I will again have this linked in the show notes and description below. I will also have it linked over in the show notes and references over at one-roomeducation.com for you. I'm not going to read the entire article of parental involvement in education. It is broken up into sections. It The sections are research on parental involvement, which we just discussed a little bit with Dr. Meeker's article, effects of parental involvement, which of course were, were covered in Dr. Meeker's article as well, obstacles to parental involvement. We will be talking a little bit about those, controversies, 
and current events are the subheaders for this article. Now, it does go a little more in depth on the actual research data points and stuff like that than Dr. Meeker's article did. I might cover this in a, another episode as well. It is an absolutely fabulous reference. It It's about a nine-minute read. If you have nine minutes of your day, I highly suggest clicking over to it and giving it a look. So let's go ahead and we're going to use this article to talk about obstacles to parental involvement because as Dr. Meeker mentioned over in her article at the Daily Wire, there has been so much research done on the importance of parental involvement, not only for social emotional development, but also for cognitive and academic development. And all of these things, all of them come together to create well-rounded people and well-rounded individuals. And that's something that's missing from education. I found, especially like in my discussions with other educators, with my discussions with parents about what's going on in education today. The industrialization of education has created such a segmented and compartmentalized view of what a person is that it is detrimental to the overall well-being of the students. So you can't just look at a student and see that they need to learn things. So here's all the facts that you need to know to be a functioning member of society. Yes, absolutely, that's necessary. What that type of education, the, the factory model of education, neglects is the personhood of the student. That that student has their own thoughts, their own emotions, their own feelings about what's going on, about what's being taught to them, about the intera their interactions with other students within the classroom about their interactions with their teachers about their interactions with the school environment as a whole about their interactions with people at home the the, the industrial factory model of education completely disregards that part of a student and i think that it's to the student i i don't think i absolutely 100% know and is it's backed up by researched evidence it is straight up detrimental to the social, emotional, and physical well-being of students to neglect their whole personhood, as Jamie from Humble Heart Press put it in, um, in my interview with her. Which, by the way, if you haven't listened to that interview with Jamie from Humble Heart Press, I'm going to go ahead and link it in the, um, in the description and the notes because that is... I had such a good conversation with her and we talk a lot about the parental involvement issues and her, her experiences with that. So I'll, I'll link that down below if you're looking for some more kind of firsthand anecdotal opinions on that. So this article by Stephen B. Sheldon on stateuniversity.com talks about the obstacles that parents might encounter to become involved in their students education so let's go ahead and take a look at what mr sheldon has to say here he says that important obstacles that constrain parents ability to become actively involved in their children's education include teachers attitudes and family resources these obstacles however can be overcome by schools and through teacher training each is discussed below. And I absolutely love that he puts these two separately because they are two separate issues. They both affect the same thing, the ability of a parent to be involved in their child's education, but they are completely different issues within that problem. It gives the nuance to the issue because like with pretty much everything with education, this is a highly nuanced issue. In regards to the teacher's attitude aspect of the obstacles that parents could face to become involved in their students' education, Mr. Sheldon writes, 
teachers' attitudes may be one obstacle to parental involvement. For example, teachers' beliefs about the impact of their efforts to involve parents in students' learning predict their efforts to encourage family involvement. In a study published in 1991, Epstein and Dauber found that compared to middle school teachers, elementary school teachers more strongly believed that parental involvement is important for students and provided more opportunities and help for parents to be involved in their children's education. Low levels of parental involvement at some schools may be the result of the staff's perception of parents or the degree to which they feel parental involvement is important to their students. Now, this is absolutely correct. As I mentioned before, the higher up you get in education, the more independent parents usually assume that their children are. And because of this general sociological assumption that students are able to be more and more and more independent of their need for parental involvement as they get farther and farther in their education, the teachers are just kind of used to parents dropping off around fifth or sixth grade in their involvement. And so teachers just kind of quit trying to get parents involved unless there's an issue with the student's performance. Because honestly, if you've ever been to a, to like an beginning of the year open house that I think all schools have, right? The elementary school is packed with parents that want to meet the kid's teacher. They want to sign up for stuff. They want to be involved. You get up to middle school, there's about half the, there's about half the parents. And then once you get into the high school, if you're a teacher that's sitting there for open house, you hate it because you get two te- you get two parents that come in to see you and they're for your two most high performing students that you don't really need to see those parents. I mean, that's kind of indicative of parents' views of education, right? It's not, sometimes it's due to the socioeconomic status of the parents and the family dynamics, which we're going to be talking about here in a second. But a lot of times teachers don't reach out. They don't tell parents when open house is going to be. They don't, they don't stress the importance of that parental involvement, again, past elementary school. So once you get to high school, teachers don't even really reach out to parents anymore. And that that's detrimental because Teachers don't want to really take the time, especially in high school, sometimes in middle school, but especially in high school, to actually talk with the parents and give them a full view of what's going on in their students' education. And if you're looking from a social perspective, can you imagine being the kid that has your parent come and follow them around all day to all of your classes? You would be made fun of so badly by your peer group because that's not normalized anymore in our society. And I think it should be personally. Getting back to the article, Mr. Sheldon continues, Although all families want their children to succeed in school, not all families have the same resources or opportunities to be involved in their children's education. Families in which all caregivers work full-time, where there are multiple children, or where English is not spoken or read well, face significant barriers to participation in their children's education. Absolutely, that that is 100% accurate. It is important for schools to understand the demands that exist on the families of their students and to work to overcome them. In their 1995 article, Epstein argued that schools need to overcome these challenges by providing opportunities for school-to-home and home-to-school communication with families. Providing communications to families in a language and at a reading level all families can understand, ensuring adequate representation of the entire community of parents on school advisory committees, and distributing information provided 
at workshops to the families who could not attend. Schools that work to meet these challenges and try to make involvement easier and more convenient for all families will gain support from parents and improve student achievement. Yes, that's absolutely true. However, the only thing that I'm going to say about that that idea of communication at a level that all parents can understand is that a lot of times, especially I'm going to speak mostly about a secondary level because almost all of the elementary school teachers that I know already do this. So mostly what I'm going to be talking about here is middle and secondary. So middle and high school level students. I know, I know when I was in high school, I would get handed papers and told to give that to my parents. And that was viewed as communication between the school and my parents. I'm sorry. I, sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't. Like, whatever. I was a good kid. So, for the most part, my parents got all of the communication. But I know a ton of students that never gave their parents any of the, of the stuff that that the teachers told them to give their parents. Because... If it was good, yeah, the the students would normally give it to their parents. But if it wasn't good or if it was just information or whatever, teenagers forget stuff. Students forget stuff. I mean, have you ever tried to make sure that all of your students have a pencil on test day? I mean, it's it's so bad. But then we are relying on them to be a go-between letter carrier and calling that an open line of communication between the teacher and the family. And it's just not. But that's what counts on the secondary education level, at least as of as communication is the teacher giving the kid an extra piece of paper and saying, you need to make sure that your parents get that. It's important. And that counts as open communication. Now, I do have to say that this is much easier nowadays than when I was in school. I don't think I know one person literally that doesn't have an email address. So it's really, really easy for the teachers to get an email address from a parent and then send out an email to the parents that has all of the information that they used to just send home on a piece of paper. Sometimes this works, sometimes it doesn't because sometimes parents give you a bunk email address, sometimes it's their second or third email address that they don't ever actually check and you just go to the spam email that everybody has. <laughs> so it's it's a flawed system is my point, but we have to look at that and look look at the ways that teachers are supposed to be interacting with parents and see what we can do differently. And that is on the parents too. Like I said, some parents give you a bunk email address. Some parents don't want to be involved. Some parents don't give two craps less what you do or don't do with their students. And that's really, really, really sad to me. I, I can't imagine ever being that way, but I have encountered so many parents, even in my private tutoring practice, where they are paying me a premium to help their children academically. I say, you know, I need you to step up. I've only got your kid for some for X number of hours a week. You're paying me, yes, and they're getting the most out of that time that they can, yes. But if you don't back me up, if you don't enforce this stuff when I'm not with your kid, then your kid's going to have the same result that they're having with the teachers. I will actually get pushback from the parents who are who are paying me a decent amount of money to academically help their students. Because they don't want to hear, especially on a secondary level, like I've been saying, that they are still required to be heavily involved in their students' education. And this doesn't just mean, hey, uh, did you do your homework tonight? Do you have any homework tonight? That is the bare minimum that you can do in regards to your child's education. Now, I will be the first one to admit that teenagers and tweens are not the most open of books on a normal basis but it's our job as parents to push them to find out what's going on and that's parents need to step up that that's it parents need to step up take on their part 
of the educational role to help their students become the best that they can be and to help create an environment that will foster success for their students moving forward for their entire lives. And that's something parents have dipped out. Parents have tapped out of education for a really, really long time. They've turned their kids over to to the schools and they've said, here, good luck. And then whenever I actually, I actually had a parent come in one time for a parent-teacher conference and we were talking about the issues that we were having with the student. The student was talking about like stuff that was going on in their, in their friends groups and stuff like that. And the mom looked at me and said, well, what would you suggest for a punishment? Because, you know, I just, I don't want to have to do this. I was like, are you serious? Like, this is your kid lady. You're, you're the parent. I'm not going to delve out personal punishment for your kid because they're not, they're not doing what they need to in school. That that's on you. You're her, you're, you're that student's parent. I am not their parent. I am their educator. I am here to give them knowledge. You are supposed to be here for emotional and social support. I'm, I'm not going to tell you how to punish your kid. Like that is absolutely ridiculous that you would try and put that, especially on a secondary teacher. Sorry, not my job. So it's not just the teachers. It's not just the schools. Parents need to step up. And if you need help learning, learning about that because you didn't have parents that did that, that's okay. Reach out. Try to do better than what you had. That's the point. Don't just keep perpetuating the same problems because all it does is cause issues for the entire society. And then you end up in places where we are today. Anyways, sorry. Getting back to the article (laughs) by Mr. Sheldon. He finishes off this section by stating, One approach to overcoming these obstacles to parental involvement is to increase the degree to which teacher training covers the topic of parental involvement. Teacher training programs spend very little time helping students understand the impact of parents in student learning and how teachers can help parents become involved in their children's education. Without this training, teachers may not understand the importance of parental involvement or how to facilitate it. As a result, Working with parents can become one of the greatest challenges faced by new teachers. Absolutely, that is a great point. As teachers, whenever we're in teacher training, we're told, you know, you need to get you need to get parents involved, right? Especially at the elementary school level. They actually I'm pretty sure that my friends that have a, that have LED degrees actually had a class like it was part of their class to as to how to get parents involved in their classrooms and with the students but like I said on the secondary level it's a completely different environment it's a completely different beast altogether and literally what what Mr. Sheldon just mentioned that it is not addressed at all in teacher training he's absolutely right I think it was addressed by one teacher once or twice And it was in regards to classroom management strategies, like getting a hold of the parent to see what's going on at home. But other than that, it's just, it's not the idea of parental and family involvement, especially on the middle and secondary level, just isn't there. It's not there in teacher training. And then absolutely new teachers coming into the classroom have no idea how parental involvement can affect a student's behavior and educational performance for the better or for the worse. And that's something that you kind of have to learn on the job. And I agree with Mr. Sheldon. I don't necessarily think that this is fair to the parents, to the students, or to the educators. It's a lose-lose-lose situation on a secondary level whenever you don't include a key factor to the equation, which is the parental involvement with your student, both in the classroom, in the academic curriculum, and in the personal life of that student. 
With all of that being said, I want to make sure to mention that I have had some absolutely just hands down, absolutely amazing and fabulous parents over the years. And the parents that I have worked with over the past couple of years specifically have probably been the easiest that I have ever worked with in my professional tutoring career. They really, I think the one thing that the pandemic really did for parental involvement in education was it opened the door for parents to get sort of a behind the scenes look at what goes on in the classroom in education. And most of the time, what you're going to hear about this on the news or, or in the news cycle or on Facebook or something like that is that you're going to hear about the topics being taught and the agendas being pushed, which yes, absolutely. That's a huge issue. Don't worry. We're going to talk about it later on, but it also showed parents what a hard job it is to be an educator in a public or private facility with the number of students that we are often forced to take on. There are way more reasons than I can cover in this episode why the class sizes are what they are. But parents saw that teachers don't just get to go into a classroom, play with kids, and then get the summer off. That that's not what happens. And parents were able to see the effect that their involvement in their students' education can have. And irregardless of what their socioeconomic situation is, we're able to see that they need to be involved, whether it is an elementary school student or whether it is a high school senior parents saw that they need to be involved again. And I think that that's one of the silver linings of the pandemic. And I think it was an unintended silver lining to the pandemic and all of the stuff that went on with it. But definitely a silver lining that we in the educational community and in the parental community need to realize and really need to embrace And we as parents, because I am not only an educator, I am a parent of a toddler now, and I'm looking towards his formal education that's going to be coming up a lot quicker than I would like it to. But as parents, we were able to see that we really do have an influence on what goes on and that it's not just our kids' friends and it's not just our kids' teachers. And that's really what I want you as parents to take away from this. And I want you to also take away from this that teachers, even on the secondary level, really need your support because without you, education doesn't happen. The more unstable a home environment is, the less a student is able to focus on what they're supposed to whenever they're in the classroom. So just embrace your power over education with your students and with your children. And you really need to become a support for not only your child, but for your child's teacher as well. Because I don't necessarily like the phrase, it takes a village to raise a child, but that's what we've created in today's society. And as such, we need to view everybody that has a role in that child's upbringing as a team member. And as a parent, you're the team's coach. Okay. You're the team's coach. You say, you tell all the players, you tell the, the, teachers, you tell the students, you tell the care, the secondary caregivers, you tell the school administrations, you tell anybody that's involved in your child's life outside of you, what you want to see and what you expect them to do or not do with your children. And if they don't live up to that, then that's on you as the coach to come up with appropriate reactions to that. We will be covering that in an upcoming episode. So make sure that you're following the State of Education podcast 
on whichever platform you happen to be listening to me on. You can also follow me on social media to get some behind the scenes and general inspirational stuff. On Facebook, I am at One Room Education, all one word. And on Instagram, I am at One Room underscore education. For all things One Room Education content wise, you can head over to one-roomeducation.com. Again, that's one, O-N-E, dash room, education, dot com. You can find all episodes of the State of Education podcast, as well as notes and references, and also educational resources now, right there, all listed for you. With that all being said, I want to thank you so much for visiting me today, and I want to really commend you for wanting to learn how to take control of your student's education and how to step up as a parent because that's one of the hardest things to do is that we've been conditioned as parents to take a step back after elementary school and let other people have a bigger influence in our students lives and that's the exact opposite of what we should be doing as parents. So I commend you for being here and I commend you for taking the criticism that I have to offer. And I hope that you found it constructive. And for educators, I hope that you realize the importance in regards to classroom management for reaching out to parents and the stability that that can provide for your students. With that being said, I wanna thank you so much for being with me today. And I can't wait to see you for the next episode as we continue to discuss the state of education.